I am Virginia Schutte. And I'm Bethann Garriman Merkel. And this is Meteor, the honest podcast about science communication with impact. Listeners, we invite you to think of this episode as a conversation between mid career professionals during a coffee break at a conference. Yes, we feel like there are lots of great spaces already devoted to science communication skill building. So we'd like to share some of the advanced user conversations we frankly are already having with each other. And because we want to open up these conversations beyond just us, we wanna hear what you think. Today, we're talking about what we think SciComm needs why we launched this podcast, and the kinds of conversations we're hoping to have with you. Okay, so that's a big question. What does SciComm need? So seriously, Virginia, what do you think SciComm needs? And are we talking about the doing of SciComm, like public engagement and policy decisions? Are we talking about the field of SciComm research and good practice? Maybe both? Yeah, so when I think about science communication, I mean something interdisciplinary that includes the doing and the researching. And while we're at it with definitions, I consider science communication to be efforts to connect non-specialists with science. I'm not talking about scientific communication, which I consider to be peer-to-peer communication between scientists. Yes, I absolutely agree. And I actually prefer the the idea and the premise of engagement, which has more of a dialogue and a relation to it, relationship to it. But SciComm is useful shorthand. So what does this kind of SciComm need to you? Well, this is such an opportunity to just go off. <laughs> so you should know first that I come from a science background. I earned my PhD in ecology. And near the end, I decided that I didn't want to be making science, producing science. I wanted to help connect science people with science that is already there. Um, We'll talk more about making a career out of science communication in the future, I know, but I'm bringing it up now because I originally thought that I was going to be a PI, a principal investigator, which meant that there were defined jobs that I would apply to, and there were known funders that I would try and convince to give me money for my work throughout my career. A huge component of getting funded and published is demonstrating how your scientific work is novel and why it matters. Right. And in that context, you've obviously thought about what SciComm needs a lot because you shifted to a whole career in it. Yeah. So I left that very well-defined structure and jumped into something with not as nearly as much structure at all. The first thing that I would love to see more of in science communication is science-based funders who are willing to take risks. I want more funding in general, that would be great, but I would like to know where are those small grants to seed ideas? How do you sustain your SciComm efforts if you're a scientist doing SciComm on the side? How can we get scientific institutions who steadily fund media specialists to give those specialists room to experiment? How can we bring that element of convincing people stuff matters to the SciComm world? Um, Who is willing to stake their name and their money on new ideas? I know of a few answers to each of those questions that I just asked, but oh my goodness, think about the amount of funding going into developing new technology, new medicines, funding experiments. An important distinction to make here is that I want funding from scientific agencies, not necessarily more from media companies. Uh, To give an example for why, um, Shark Week (laughs) is a great moneymaker for discovery, and they are experimenting tons with their Shark Week programming, but they are a for-profit company. And so their goal has to be not to educate or inform, but primarily to be making themselves money. 
Um, I, there's nothing inherently wrong with that, but it means that they have different goals from the ones that I am pursuing. We would all love to spend more of someone else's money, right? (laughs) (laughs) But in all seriousness, I agree. If we invest in innovation and science, but we don't invest in sharing that with communities and decision makers, then we're creating this chasm of who cares and who doesn't. Yeah, so that leads me to the second thing, actually, that I think is about a lot right now. It applies to STEM environments in general, not just SciComm spaces. Uh, We need a way for people with less power to check those who have lots of power. Mm -hmm. Um, That is a tall order, I know. Science communication has real consequences that directly affect people's health and their quality of life. So what could you or I do if someone with steady funding and a large reach gets something wrong? And I mean, sure, factually, I want like everything to be correct and evidence-based, but I mean like morally and socially wrong and right. So let's say there's a big publisher, for example, that repeatedly excludes people, appropriates terms, and does other repugnant stuff. But this is a big publishing company that people want to put their science and nature articles in. Um, What can you or I do to make that kind of nonsense stop? Oh, yeah. And I doubt you're talking about cancel culture directly. But what you're saying points to why that sort of public peer pressure has arisen on social media at all. Exactly. I am not talking about cancel culture. I'm talking about ways to reach people and hold them accountable um, that aren't just unattainable. (laughs) Um, So you think a lot about this and I would love to hear more about where you come from. I've been talking about me for a bit. Tell me about you. So I come from a mashup background poor white girl, teeny rural town in Montana, a lot of what we talk about wouldn't have even made sense to me back then. And over my career, I've developed expertise in nonprofit management, community development, art science integration, and outdoor education. I also had a former life in journalism and manuscript editing, and I still do SciComm consulting. And Maybe the wildest part of all of this is that I'm now a professor. Yes, congratulations. I'm I'm sorry I interrupted. I'm so excited because I know this is something you've been thinking about for a long time. It is is really exciting. It's kind of surreal, honestly. It's not a career I even knew was an option when I was a kid. It's not a career I even knew was an option as an undergraduate, to be perfectly honest. But now I'm a professor of practice and I teach and research how to help scientists share their science. And as a first-gen student and an academic, this is, this is pretty big stuff to think about. So anyway, that background makes me key in on some specific things in the world of SciComm practice and teaching and research. Okay, so tell me what you think SciComm needs. Right. So to my mind, SciComm needs a few things. First, Embracing the career stages that SciComm and engagement folks can progress through and doing that deliberately as a field or a discipline would be awesome. I would like to see us build a structure that facilitates growth and leadership all the way through. 
right now, most trainings that I see are targeted at entry-level concepts and skills. And those are an important foundation, of course. I mean, I teach and train on them as well. But we can't forget that there are folks who do this work, who lead those trainings, that also need mentoring and additional training in, let's call them advanced user skills and practices. I think this is a great point. I would count myself as an advanced user. I don't need to be taught how to tweet, but I would love to talk to other advanced users about their kind of power-ups. That would be great. Yes, exactly. And one, one area that I think a lot about in terms of powering up is the practice of science communication and engagement needing to be more integrated with the research field that we mm. think of as the science of science communication. So basically, as practitioners and trainers, we need to build our capacity to use robust qualitative and quantitative methods to design, implement, and assess whether what we're doing works. And we can do that by engaging more fully with research from fields that range pretty widely, psychology, behavioral economics, trauma recovery, communications, pedagogy, social justice. And of course, this needs to be a multi-directional discourse, right? The research that we conduct needs to be usable for practitioners. So that means it has to be legible outside the specific research area someone is publishing in. I am relieved to hear that you have tall orders for your psychology needs as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, we, we want the world, right? Like, we want a better place. That's why we do this. <laughs> I mean, while we're dreaming, let's dream. <laughs> let's dream. And that leads to a third big thing that I think SciComm needs. We need to be working at all levels of institutions, just like you were saying about funding. We need those institutions to also be leading and facilitating a shift to fully integrating good practice in science communication and engagement, and then to incentivize and value it. So for me, that means funding institutions like NSF say, need to provide meaningful guidance to grant reviewers so that folks whose expertise is not in SciComm can effectively rate broader impacts proposals. It also means that institutions like universities need to formalize review and promotion policies and procedures so that science communication and engagement count. Mm. We also, I think as institutions have a duty of care to the communities we want to engage in. So as an institution with historic persistent power, we have to provide training and expectations to folks, not just let them loose. Otherwise, we're perpetuating a colonial and extractive or at best swoop in as a hero kind of mentality that's already caused a lot of damage in the world. And to make all this happen, one of the things that we need to be doing is that upper administrators, including presidents and provosts and deans and departments heads, they have to be evaluated on the impacts of their unit's work with regards to engagement. Otherwise, we're asking a whole bunch of everybody at the low end of the power structure, we're just <laughs> perpetuating that nasty cycle of pushing institutional and systemic issues onto individuals to try to address them. And that's not ethical and it's not sustainable or even feasible. Okay, I agree with all that. And I'm so glad we're already jumping right into what makes us passionate. <laughs> okay, so that's all really big picture. And I know you and I talk a lot about how we can't fix everything right now with a snap of our fingers. So why are we here? Why are we doing this? And what are we gonna do about it with Meteor? 
well, we're going to change the world. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, we're going to take a shot at it. I agree. So Meteor aims to build capacity and community. And I think we're talking about two kinds of people here. We're talking two, two kinds of people here. We recognize that a lot of folks are either number one, exploring SciComm and engagement as part of their work in STEM, or number two, thinking about making SciComm a full-time job within an institution or as an entrepreneur. Um, no matter what your plan is with SciComm, we would like to help you do it well and sustainably. Yes. There are a lot of facets to SciComm and SciComm careers. The whole idea of a quote, pathway in these careers is misleading. I think of SciComm and engagement professional landscape more like a braided river. Some of us are in main channels, some of us are eddied out, some of us are getting dumped in the rapids and some <laughs> might just be basking on a sandy shore with a toe in the water. <laughs> okay, so if I were to put Meteor in that lovely metaphor you just made. I would say that we're like the river guides. We are not going to do the paddling for you, but we will hopefully help you get to know the river and help guide you to the destination of your choice more smoothly and easily. Yeah, totally. That's exactly it. But, but to be extra clear and step back out of that metaphor, we want to share and spark ideas that are meaningful for people who are building careers in SciComm or incorporating SciComm elements into their career. And we especially aim to host some thought-provoking discussions on this podcast. We want to connect with folks who already have experience in SciComm and engagement. We're thinking about big picture, advanced user, field-changing conversations even. Some of the questions we know we want to explore in future episodes include, what does it mean to be a leader in SciComm? What does it look like to develop a career or a business model with SciComm as a thread or at the core? How do we do SciComm and SciComm training in right relationships with communities? How do we embed justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion, what we think of as Jedi principles, into the action that we take, not just the position statements we make? Can or should white ladies, like us, do inclusive SciComm and train people on it? What kind of resume or CV can even do this work justice? And what is work-life balance anyway? Do you want to be a guru, a messenger, or a cheerleader? Mm-hmm. And that whole big bad B word, branding. What's that look like if you're a solopreneur or a comms person for a research group or a scientist doing SciComm or... A freelance consultant. <laughs> or all of the above at once. So that is us. And the idea with Meteor is to kick the door wide open for these kinds of conversations. We see a need for them in our own professional experience, and we don't think we're alone. Nope, can't be. There are so many of us mid-career SciComm folks who are feeling our way through this evolving landscape, that river metaphor. Sometimes the channels wash out. Sometimes there's a new sandbar. Sometimes we have to drag out the boats and wait a big old thunderstorm. I like the idea of assigning thunderstorm to some of the past experiences I've had. <laughs> I think that makes it better. <laughs> I mean, we do like lightning, right? As long as right? Do we like lightning though? <laughs> or would From it a distance. Be better if it were? From a distance. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about that stuff. 
Listener, maybe you totally agree with this conversation we've just had. Maybe you think our list has gaping holes. Either way, what do you think SciComm needs? Take a minute, write it down, and then let us know what you think. We would genuinely love to hear from you. You've been listening to Meteor, the honest podcast about science communication with impact. We have a short survey running right now. Tell us what you think SciComm needs. Or what resources you want that you can't find for your own work in SciComm. To join this conversation, leave us a comment or a review. Say hello on Twitter using at MeteorSciComm. Or check out everything we do in addition to the podcast on our website, MeteorSciComm.org. Talk soon.